Welcome back to the Good Lion Podcast. We are picking up the second part of a long conversation about Jesus. Today we're heading down this path exploring a topic that resonates with believers around the world, our understanding of Jesus. Now many people believe they have this concrete and unwavering understanding of who Jesus is. He's the heavenly authority figure, the great problem solver, the genie, the savior. But what if I told you that there was a view of Jesus that is often overlooked, a crucial view, Jesus as King. In this episode, we delve into the evolution of our understanding of Jesus. We share personal stories of the ways that our views of Jesus have grown and evolved over time. And we discuss how crucial it is for our perception of Jesus to shift, to see him not only as our personal savior, not only as our servant. Yes, he is both those things, but ultimately he is a king. This change is monumental and shifts our focus from ourselves to his kingdom. Thanks for listening. Let's jump right back into the conversation. Let's talk about understandings of Jesus and how they change and how they shift over time. Like, I think, I think when it comes to doing ministry, you get somebody either as a fresh convert, which is more rare in our circumstances in Calvary churches. It's, it's like, usually it's like church kids, <laughs> like with the school of discipleship I'm running right now. I, I asked them the other night, like how many of you guys grew up in church? And like 90% of the hands went up with, with the kids in your youth group. Is it pretty similar? Yes, most definitely. Yeah. yeah it, that's just been the kind of ministry I've done my whole life is it's just, it's been church kids. And so a lot of times you grow up in church and you, you have a certain perception of Jesus and it evolves and changes over time in your experience, when people start out, like growing up in the church, what, what do you feel like their perception of Jesus is? Yeah, I think the earliest perceptions of Jesus normally are kind of semi-pop culture influenced. Mm. I think that the perception of God more generally is very much the authority figure who is trying to determine who is right and who is wrong. Yeah. And rewarding good things and punishing bad things. And yeah. I think a lot of that actually just comes from having parents. Like, it just kind of feels like that's what they're doing for you when you're younger. So, especially thinking about church kids, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty straight line from what my parents do for me, God is doing for me on a grander scale. Mm. And, you know, when you're a kid, you start thinking through like, well, what can I get away with? from my parents and like where right. do the lines really exist and there are yeah. some rules they say that they really care about and there are some rules that like they just kind of <laughs> would like it but it's not that big a deal like or like and, they and say don't do it but then they do it yeah so it's not really that big of a problem or right you know so i i think that it's there's a lot of like searching for lines and experimenting with where they actually are instead of just where you've been told they are yeah does that make sense at all yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I had that experience and I, I think of like my early understanding of Jesus, like the main things I tended to focus on as a young Christian boy were he's the son of God, he's God, and he died for my sins and he rose again. And now I don't go to hell and now I get to go to heaven. And that that's like as deep as it went. And then it was like, hey, he also loves you. So you should talk to him sometimes because like sometimes he's got cool stuff to say. Like... Like, like sometimes he might like say something that's relevant to like what you're going through. You should, you should do your devotions. Cause like you got a crush on that girl. 
Like maybe you're going to read something in Matthew that's going to speak to that. Because it's like, that's what the Bible's for. It's like to speak into your specific situation, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was it was very much like God, Savior, kind of genie. Like get me out of situations, help me with my problems. That That's like, and it's all great, right? Like, yeah, he loves me. Like that, it was so foundational to have that as a kid, to, to have the kind of parents that taught me that Jesus loved me, like emphatically and forgave me for my sins. That, that was huge. But I think like if you hear somebody describe what I just described as like, if you're a youth pastor and you, you ask who is Jesus and that's how your kid describes him, I feel like there's a place that you want him to move to next in his spiritual journey. So for, for you, like, where are you trying to get somebody from that point? Not, not the finish line, but like, what's the next phase in discipleship for you? Like perception of Jesus and understanding of Jesus. Where, where are you trying to move people? Yeah. If we're saying that step one is Jesus is a problem fixer and yeah. the biggest problem is like, you're going to die and go to hell. And then Sin, Jesus fixes death, that. Like, hell. Cool. Yeah. Like, but then on the, the practical day to day, it's, I have a test that I didn't study for. Jesus, fix it. Make me smart. Like I have, you know, food that I need. Hey, it's here. Jesus, thank you for it. Like, it, it's all just like, we only talk to him when problems exist. I think it's then trying to move to consistent relationship with Jesus, that Jesus is not just here when we need him and we, when we don't need him, quote unquote. We can just kind of be without him. But then it's like you were saying the whole like, well, hey, he loves you. Like you should try to talk with him. You should try to find ways to spend time with him. Yeah. That I think is what I would try to move somebody towards next. When do, when do you feel like the first significant shift happened for you with your understanding of Jesus and what caused it? The first significant shift. Like when did you go, personally. when did you go from phase one of like being a little Christian kid with a very simplistic understanding of Jesus to then progressing a little bit? I think I've talked about this on the show before, but when my dad got cancer. Mm, yeah. But before my dad got cancer, my dad got kidney cancer when I was in sixth grade. It was the absolute cancer, best case scenario. Remove a kidney, no spread they ever found, no chemo or anything like that needed. Totally clean and, and good ever since then. But before, when, when I heard about that cancer diagnosis, it was, we've done the good stuff. We've yeah. been around church. We've, you know... I've done for Jesus what I'm supposed to do. I was around to serve and do all these different things. And our family's always been super involved. So we're, we're fine. Now he owes us something. And the first two bits of news that we got after that diagnosis was that the cancer was a little bit more aggressive than they thought it was. And they had to delay the surgery date. Mm. And I was like, God, we're over two. What gives Mm. like we, we did our stuff. You're supposed to do things for us. And I remember thinking, I've got to figure out, like, why isn't Jesus what I thought he was? Mm. And the timing lined up where in our youth group, our youth pastor at that time, Pastor Andy Dean, love that guy. He's fantastic. (laughs) He was doing a read the book of John in 21 days thing. 
And mm. and so the shift ended up happening through, all right, God, I am going to give you this time. I'm going to read the Bible in an attempt to get to know you better. Mm. Not just, I'm going to read this so that you'll then make my dad cancer free. It wasn't that anymore. It was, I'm going to read this because I want to understand if you're really there, if you really love me, how you actually think about the world. Like, I am here to learn about you, not Mm. to just have you do stuff for me. Mm. That was when faith became real for me. Mm. I love that. That's great. Yeah, I feel like it's those those personal trials a lot of times that make it all so real to us. Like it takes it out of theory and puts it into practice because it's like, whoa, I actually have to like figure out if I really believe in this deity. Like, and I have to actually figure out if I'm going to respond to him pulling me close to him in this crazy situation. Because a lot of people, they go the other way. Like they have a family crisis and it pushes them away from God because it's like, why did God let this happen? And I'm glad that's not what it was for you. I'm glad that you were able to allow Jesus to let that be a catalyst to, you know, bring you to that next point. And now a word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Justin Thomas, president of Calvary Chapel Bible College. I want to invite you to visit our beautiful new campus located in the mountains of Southern California. CCBC offers a unique blend of theological training and practical education, equipping students to make a difference. With experienced faculty, supportive community, and a commitment to excellence, CCBC is the perfect foundation for every calling in life and ministry. If you or anyone you know is looking for a place to grow, check us out at ccbc.info. CCBC, a solid foundation for every calling. Yeah, I think that no matter where our beginning point is, we always arrive at relationship with Jesus with some set of pretty limited expectations. Mm. You know, if you're the person who got saved at like a Billy Graham crusade, and maybe you've only heard one sermon about Jesus, then you got saved. Like you have a pretty limited scope of who he is and what he's supposed to be. And so you kind of fill in all of this expectation in your mind. And the longer you spend time with anyone, the more you realize they are more than what lives in my head about them. And, you know, that's part of the fun of getting to know people and all that kind of stuff of learning like, oh, they're not only what I think of them. They are much bigger than that. And part of the fun of walking with Jesus is learning how he is bigger than we think he is. And so trials, I think, are are a, a major way that that happens of I thought Jesus was the fixer, but he doesn't seem to be fixing. So who is he? Yeah. You know, or I thought Jesus was the, you know, for some people, maybe it's, I thought Jesus was the law. Mm. He just wants us to do good stuff. And then a moment happens where either they sense extreme graciousness from Jesus or somebody who follows Jesus shows them extreme graciousness. And it's like, whoa, that's. That's not what I expected. I expected to get yelled at. Like, I, I think about, we did an episode with Brenna Blaine. Yeah. And she was talking about how she, in youth group, struggled with a lot of same-sex attraction. Youth group leaders found out about, I think it was like a Tumblr page or something, where like yeah. she was yeah. really exploring like all of these different things regarding same-sex attraction. And yeah, a conversation with her youth pastor, she expected... They're going to yell at me. They're going to lay down the law. They're going to call me wrong and evil and all of that. And instead it was, 
God loves you. God sees you. God cares about you. And it was like her expectation was Jesus is you better do right. Yeah. And then something broke that expectation. And Mm. now we were in a discovery phase of like, okay, well, if he's not this thing that I thought he was, what is he really? Mm. I want to learn about him rather than I just want him to do this one set of tasks for me. It's good. Yeah, that's really good. Super true. I, I, I love the way that you're framing it. I think, you know, my mind goes to the trajectory. Like, I feel like the evolution of our understanding of Jesus, it's so gradual. Like, would you say that it's been that way with you? It's been like kind of this snowball, like, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like when it, you you have that ball of snow at the top of the mountain and then it just grows, you know, as it's moving down in, in my life. Like we said earlier, it's like, it started very much like God is my sky daddy. (laughs) I don't know if I like that term. You know, he's my heavenly father. He's my savior. He he gets me out of jams and helps me. He wants to be my friend, you know, very, very personal. Like my, my relationship with Jesus, it, it was very much like in that personal relationship with Jesus vein. And that's all I really thought about was like, how does Jesus help me? How does he affect me? What is, what is my heavenly reward going to be one day? You know, all that kind of stuff, you know? And the big shift for me happened when I, I, maybe there was other big shifts before that, but I think the biggest shift was when I, when I got drafted into youth ministry at 16 years old, came up selfishly to make money. I was going to film a camp make a little documentary about winter camp. And God just stirred up my heart and was like, Hey, you're called to serve. And that was the biggest shift is, is serving. Like it was very self-centered you know, my relationship with Jesus. And then all of a sudden it became, whoa, Jesus likes to help people. And when I help people with him, like I, I get this sense of joy and fulfillment, you know? So I think serving was step one in the shift for me and my understanding of Jesus. Like he's not just a savior, he's a servant. He wants to serve people. And then when I became a youth pastor, I think the next shift was understanding community. Like, whoa, Jesus wants to build a community of people that follow him and love him together. And then I think the the next major shift for me was when I became a high school pastor, I just became completely captured by the idea of like, whoa, Jesus is king. Like he's not just savior, he's Lord. And if Jesus is king, that's what we used to say over and over again in youth group. If Jesus is king, that changes everything. You know, I read N.T. Wright to how God became king and was listening to a ton of Matthew sermons by Josh White and Tim Mackey and just fell in love with like just this idea of, of like, whoa, he is the king of the world and the universe. And I think that was for me, like Jesus as king and the kingdom of God, like learning the theology of the kingdom of God was one of the most monumental shifts for me. And then I think the, the, the next phase beyond that was understanding kind of what I went back to earlier, where it was like, what, what is the who is Jesus to me? It's like, he's everything. Like he, he is the purpose of the entire story of not just scripture, but the world. Like he is the, the father who wants his family back, the king who's fighting for his kingdom back. 
and 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 it's like that that's that's been the evolution for me it started with like he's my savior he's my genie he helps me and now i understand like it's not about me like i'm just one tiny piece of this massive story he's telling and this massive puzzle he's putting together and that actually feels liberating to be like whoa my life isn't actually about me like it's not actually about it's not the aaron show it's not about how can aaron get rich and successful and happy and thin which hasn't happened yet and probably never will um, well i'm i'm happy but i'm not thin so it's like if 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 my pressure on life was getting perfectly happy and healthy and fit and wealthy i would constantly be bummed at my life not living up to my own desires and expectations. But when I think of my life in the lens of who is Jesus and what is he doing in this world, I'm actually stoked on my life. <laughs> like, because uh, one, I know that I've served him and I can honestly say I've served him, even though I, things haven't always gone my way, I know the end of the story. So that's been my trajectory and I'm excited to see what Jesus is gonna show me about him in the next 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, I feel mm -hmm. like I still have so much to learn. What, what's, what's been kind of your trajectory, you know, if you wanted to fly through it? Yeah. I love that idea of focusing on Jesus as King. Hail the King, new book, Pilgrim Benham, CGM yeah. Media. Did you read it? Um, don't do this to me. <laughs> I haven't yet, but I, I'm going to. Pilgrim's great. I can't wait. Pilgrim's great. I'm happy to plug a book I haven't read because I trust <laughs> him so much. There you go. Um, I really do. One of the things I find myself saying as I pray a lot is, Jesus, you are the rightful king of all the world. Mm. Like, I, I've been very compelled by that idea of my life is not about me. It's pretty similar trajectory. You know, growing up, Jesus fixes our problems. Oh, no, there's a problem he's not fixing. Who is he? Oh, he's the one who decides what a problem actually is. <laughs> he's the one who sees the world right. I'm the one who sees it wrong. I need to learn to see it how he sees it. Okay, how does he see it? Well, he's a, a gracious giver. All right, I'll, I'll try to be gracious. I'll give my time. I'll use whatever abilities I've got to, you know, proclaim the message of Jesus to others and to live life in a community to try to be an example of Jesus to others. And it's been a consistent growth towards character shaping over just knowledge development. Hmm. Like, I, I think that that's one of the bigger shifts that's happened for me, that there was a, a long stretch of Jesus just wants me to know more stuff about him. Therefore, I'm closer to Jesus if I read more books about him. Yeah. I'm right. closer to Jesus if I can recite more facts about him. And the thing I think that has been changing recently is... Jesus invites me to be like him. Mm. And if I'm not being like him, if I'm not feeling connection with him, if I'm not viewing the world the way he views it, if I'm not walking in step with him, then I'm missing the point. Like he is, he is not after teaching us tasks. He's mm. after complete person transformation. Yeah. And that like seeing the graciousness of Jesus in that and seeing how he is inviting us to be replicated versions of himself. Like not mm -hmm. in the sense that we become gods or anything like that, but in the sense that we become like him mm. and he is just sort of like a loving leader of like, I want you to be the best way for you. And, and I think that's another part of it. I used to think 
Jesus wanted us to do these certain things because they were just the things that he liked. And when you're talking about the idea of Jesus is trying to to undo all that's broken, like the idea of Jesus as the creator of wholeness Hmm. has been crazy compelling for me that he is not just after, well, I don't like it when people curse. So no cursing, (laughs) just don't do it. Like it's not like he just has preferences about how things should be. It's he knows that as the one who has created us, he knows that what is genuinely best for us, what really promotes our wholeness and flourishing is a certain way of living. And so he is acting as our healer mm. when he guides us towards holiness. And that to me is is just like a, he's not coming at me with an anger when I'm wrong. He's coming at me with a frustration of what sin does to people. Yeah. And he wants to see people free from that and, that kind of healer mentality as opposed to fixer to me, that's just such a more accurate and compelling way to see Jesus at work in a life. I love that. That is, that is so compelling. Like he, he's not just the, the fixer, the problem solver. He's, he's the King and he has a, a way and it's like, not, what does he say? You know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is not this harsh taskmaster. He is actually calling us to like a better way of living. And I think one of the biggest things that I feel like he's been saying to me over the years is just this idea. I've, I've never actually parsed it out this way. It just came to me, but it, it, it clicked during this conversation. I feel like one of the things Jesus in many ways has been saying to me is just the phrase, what are you waiting for? And I think what mm. he means by that is there is a version of me that exists in the future. You know, God is outside of time. And there is a there is a version of me in the new heaven and earth that is like perfectly generous and perfectly kind and perfectly sensitive and, and perfectly loving and adventurous and wise and you know like and and there is a God who is available to me right now. And I don't have to wait to be with him and I can start becoming who I will become right now. And and I think Jesus is constantly looking at us where it's like, Hey, you th- you've been told that the goal of the Christian life is to just get saved and then just try your best to be a good person until Jesus comes back or until you die. And then that's when the fun really begins. And I think Jesus is like, no, like, what are you waiting for? Like I gave you the keys to the treasure chest. Like no one has to die to inherit them. I don't have to die. I already did on the cross and you don't have to die. Like you have the keys. Here's the map to the treasure. You can follow it anytime you want. You know what I mean? And it's like, Mm -hmm. that is to me, one of the most significant things about Jesus is the reality of what he gives us access to right now. It's what theologians call, you know, the already, but not yet. We talk about it a lot. Heaven is coming, but it's also here. And I think the human side of us is just, we find so many excuses not to tap into it. So I was meeting with a mentor of mine, a guy out here named Christian Trena, who's the assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel, Oklahoma City. Gen X, wise, amazing, wonderful dude. And this is before we started the school of discipleship. And I just felt like I was running on fumes and I was trying to get this thing off the ground. And I just... 
was like, why do I feel so burnt out? And he, he likes to draw little diagrams on napkins. So we were at this pizza place called Hall's Pizza, which I would love to take you to one day, Brian, if you would come out here. It's because it's the best pizza in the world. But anyway, he drew on a napkin this pendulum. And so, you know, on a pendulum, you've got a side one and side two, and then there's a dip in the middle. And so side one on the left, he, he drew a little thing where it said love. And then on side right, he drew a thing where it was serving and he, he drew the pendulum and he's like, okay, so what happens? Like you, you start with love, right? And then you get filled up with love and then you let go and then you swing over and then you're pouring out and you're serving. But what happens to a pendulum? Like when it swings, does it end up back on the left side? No. Where does it stop? In the middle, right? Hmm. And what he was saying was, Aaron, what you're doing is you're standing in the middle trying to push the pendulum back up to the right side of service instead of climbing back over to the left like ledge of love. That's where you need to be. You need to be on the left ledge of love getting filled up so that the pendulum pulls back and then swings back to service. And that just, I've, I've got it taped up on my wall to remind myself to stop standing in that middle dip, trying to push that heavy pendulum back up, but instead go over to the ledge of love where I can rest and then get filled up and then let, let things swing back. You know, I don't know if that made sense to you or to the audience. Cause it's a visual medium that I'm thinking of, but, uh, I'm sure it made sense to the audience. <laughs> I am not a visual person. I'll show you the and picture. I haven't, I haven't thought about pendulums since I was in like <laughs> sixth grade. Me neither, but it got it like got. middle school science made me really think that pendulums were going to be like a major part. Like it <laughs> kind of like the way that like Looney Tunes made you think that like quicksand was going to yeah. be a real problem as yeah. an adult. I thought trying to middle catch a roadrunner was going to be a part of my future. Yeah, everybody did. And <laughs> middle school science made me think like I'm going to need to know a lot about pendulums if I'm going to be <laughs> a productive adult. And I, I spent a good portion of that being like, when did I last think about pendulums? And then, yeah, I'm not a visual thinker. The much, the but much easier, the much easier the analogy idea, would be trying to run a car without gas. Completely like, agree. <laughs> I thought you were going to be that. like, I, I use I cars all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's practical. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like well, essentially, it's like without the gas, you run out of gas, and then you're trying to get the car somewhere. So now you're behind the car trying to push it up a hill. You know, mm -hmm. you got to get filled back up. It's so simple. But it's like it's so easy for me to to miss it. And it all it, it all comes back to Jesus for me. And I would just encourage everyone listening, like if you feel disconnected from Jesus, take some time to find a way to get reacquainted, like read one of the four Gospels. All the other books, of the Bible are great. But if you feel distant from Jesus, I would very much encourage you just go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, start from square one and say, let me introduce myself to this person because he's, he's what everything's about. So I find this whole conversation really interesting, deeply compelling. And it's I like it because of the long scope that this has. Like we've talked about the last 25 years of life with Jesus. One of the things that I find really difficult to think through is, so what do I do tomorrow? Like how do I begin to practically start working towards this? So Imagine, Aaron, imagine we just finished the podcast 
and like everything we've just said, that's what we put out. And somebody finds you at church this Sunday and they're like, Aaron, so much of what you said was extremely interesting to me. I think I'm in this place where I am surrounded by Jesus things, but I'm not really connecting with Jesus. What do I do? How do I get back to that right place? You're asking me? Yes. (laughs) That's a good question. Here's what I think. I think that you have to remember that Jesus, he is, he, he is constant. He, he is the one thing in your life that won't change. And the reality is your circumstances will constantly change. And so you can't tie Jesus to any of your life circumstances because they will change. If your relationship with Jesus is wrapped up in the church that you attend, if something happens to your church or if you move and you have a hard time finding another church or you end up at a church where the the dynamic is totally different, you are at risk of having your relationship with Jesus change. If you have your relationship with Jesus tied to your life circumstances being really good and you feel like God's blessing you, what's going to happen if all of a sudden you feel cursed because bad things are happening in your life? If it's tied to your job, if you work in ministry and your entire relationship with Jesus is wrapped up with what you do for him, which was partly something I struggled with, when that changes, your relationship with Jesus will change. And even community. Like my wife and I have been through multiple community groups at our church over the last five years for various reasons. Moving, changing locations, groups disbanding, groups multiplying, and it, it can be easy to be in a really good group and just be like, man, I have such a spiritual high because I'm surrounded by all these people that are just on fire. And then you shift and the dynamic changes and it's like, oh man, now I feel spiritually dry. Or, you know, maybe you're going to Bible college, you know, and it's like, you're just, you've dropped everything. You're not working. You're just surrounded by Jesus loving people who and studying theology constantly. And, but then what happens when that changes? You go on a mission strip and it's just this constant high, but then what about when that changes? And so I I would just encourage people to figure out how to have a relationship with Jesus. (laughs) Like it's so fundamental, but like you, you have to make sure that relationship exists. I think that Christianity is so much more than a personal relationship with Jesus, but it's not less than a personal relationship with Jesus. You have to start there. Every major biblical good guy hero in the New Testament started their path with a personal relationship with Jesus. Peter, throw your fish on the other side of the net. Or Peter, (laughs) throw your fish. Take all all those fish I just got you, toss them. We're doing it again. Peter, throw your net on the other side of the boat. You know, Nathan, Nathaniel, I, I see you. You know, Nicodemus, like I'm calling you to be born again. Like, It was the personal relationship with Jesus that was square one. And for every single one of those characters, they went through different circumstances and they all had to fall back on who is Jesus to me. And I just feel like I'm just sensing honestly that there's probably some people listening who grew up in church and your circumstances have changed and you feel lost. And I would just encourage you, one, you know, go back and listen to the spiritual apathy series that we did. That'll be helpful. But two, ask yourself, who is Jesus to me? Like, and really do some soul searching on that. 
is he just your genie? Like, is he just your family's religion? Is he just the guy that makes you feel guilty about the bad stuff you do? Or do you love him? Like, do you actually love him? Do you love him enough to keep his commandments? And also, do you love him enough to get back up and keep walking when you fall down? You know, like, is he, is he your king? Ask yourself that question. Is he actually my king? Because he might not be in practice. You might still be the king or queen of your life. Like, is he your king? Is he your friend? Is he your king? Like continue to, I, I would say, if you want to stay connected to Jesus, ask yourself those questions constantly. Is he my friend? Is he my king? How is that being displayed in my life? It's not a call to perfection, but it is a call to Jesus being your friend and your king. <laughs> it's got to be those things. So, and then of course, you know, it's the basic stuff of reading your Bible and praying and being in community, but you have to know the why before those what's click. Because if you don't have the why of Jesus is my friend and he's my Lord and he's my King and he's by God, then Bible reading and prayer and community start to become a drag to a lot of people that grew up in the church and it's just religion. And then you just fizzle out because there's nothing compelling about it. If you want it to be compelling, you have to like, like uh, there's a, there's I'll, 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 I'll end with this. There's a, an amazing quote by Tozer where he says in every heart, there is a cross and a throne. And until you allow your flesh to be put on that cross, Jesus won't be able to take his proper seat on that throne. And I just, I, I'll leave it at that. I think that does a fantastic job of covering the why, which I'm grateful for because I want to focus on the, the how. I think that it has become fundamentalisty to say, no, but you really should read your Bible every day. You really should pray every day. As a, I don't want to always keep coming back to kid illustrations because I know that that's not everybody's stage of life, but as a new parent, one of the pieces of advice that everybody seems to give to me is make sure you have a date night with your wife. And the reason they say that is because it is pretty easy to go a week, to go two weeks even. I mean, it's not pretty easy to go two weeks, but it's pretty easy to go a week without really having a conversation where Tori and I connect. And it's more than just the like, what did you do today? How was your day? Like, ooh, dinner is tasty. Like going past that into the two people connecting on a relational, emotional level. Do you have that kind of time with Jesus? And if you don't, it is not surprising when you wind up feeling disconnected from him. It's pretty simple. Like the, the friendships that endure are the ones that have the most consistent check-ins, the ones that just have the, the greatest number of connection points. And even if you feel you have to force a connection point with you and Jesus, how that stacks up over time creates deeper, richer relationship. So I, I'm not trying to give, like, you'll notice I have not brought up how much you read. I've barely even brought up the idea that you read the Bible at all. A connection point with Jesus can be reading a single verse and really focusing on it. It can be reading a single story of a thing that Jesus did as laid out in one of the four gospels. It can be simply praying. It could be praying out loud in your car. You know, maybe that's a weird thing to do. That's not a normal part of your relationship with Jesus. It can be finding a way to break the norm 
of how you consider relating with God so that you can find a personal moment of connection. But, but the math is pretty simple. If you are not adding connection points to your relationship with Jesus, you are in essence subtracting from your connection with God. It, it, it kind of is just that simple. And it's like a, a very boring sounds borderline legalistic way of looking at things. But that does, like if you if you run more and eat less, you'll also lose weight. And that might sound really legalistic in terms of like how dieting works. But that is still the simple math of how it actually works itself out. Yeah, I mean, it's it can sound legalistic, but it's just that's that's the reality of any relationship. If you ignore the person, you are subtracting from your relationship with them. That's I mean, in any marriage, like if, if your wife was readily available to hang out with you and spend time with you and you were just like, no, I don't think I'm feeling it tonight. I'm going to go sleep in the basement and I don't want to talk to you tonight because I'm tired. Like and if that just happens over and over again for months and months and then years, like, yeah, you're you're subtracting from the rich life you could have together. I, I came up with while you were talking here, here's a, here's a roadmap. And I think it's good to include some verses, but I, I just was thinking what's, what's a scriptural roadmap that we could follow for connection with God. So here's my thought. Let's just say five steps, right? One, start by acknowledging that Jesus is the only way to connect with God. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Two, ask God to reveal himself to you and to help you find him. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks will be opened. He's, he's inviting us to knock. Like he's like, hey, I want you <laughs> to actually like, like, come after me with this sense of urgency of like, Hey, I, I need, I need that. I need you. Three, confess your faith in Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. Romans ten nine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now you might think, Oh, that's step one, right? I think Christians need to preach the gospel to themselves constantly. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not just a one-time thing where you hear it and then it takes a backseat in your mind to other more pressing matters of theology. No, like the gospel needs to be continually put at the forefront of everything. A four, abide in Jesus by reading his word, praying and living in obedience to his commands. John fifteen five says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Simple analogy. If you got a fruit tree, and you take a chainsaw and you chop the branch off and lay it on the side of the road, no matter how hard that branch squeezes, it can't pop out an apple unless it's connected to the rest of the tree. And the fifth step, I would say draw near to God by repenting of your sins, purifying your heart, and seeking his will for your life. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. That's, that's really just like steps, like th- those are the initial steps. There's so much more to it, but like if you're going to start somewhere, start there, I would say. There's so much more to it, but I think a lot of the more to it is really just repeating that process in new areas of your life. Yeah. So that that is, I think, a very helpful way 
of thinking about it. And I think that the one of the beautiful things about this whole conversation is we began with when life gets complicated, it is easy to lose Jesus in that complication. But I also think it's worth mentioning Jesus has a way of bringing us back to simplicity. Mm. He He's the king. He is our, our rightful leader. Our souls were meant to run on him. Mm. And he does not try to make it difficult or complicated or chaotic. Mm. He, like you said, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He seeks to bring us freedom, not law and bondage. Amen, man. Yeah, I've, this has been a great conversation. I'm so glad that we're doing this again. And I've, I feel like this has been a really good recenter and refocus for the show because this whole show is about Jesus. Like everything is about Jesus, but sometimes we'll do an episode on something like, you know, like biblical sexuality or, you know, the, the theology of whatever. And and it's easy to go through that whole episode and do a little search of the transcript. And it's like, how many times did we even say the word Jesus on this episode? Cause we're so in the weeds of this theological theory or whatever. But to me, it's like he is the foundation and the base of everything. And and the goal of every episode of this show in my heart is I just want the people to listen and find Jesus, to like rediscover him in new ways, to be drawn back to him if they've drifted, to be encouraged in him if they're currently planted in him. That's the whole, that's, that's what this whole show is about. Like if Jesus wasn't around, I wouldn't be doing this show. I'd be doing something else. <laughs> um, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really is all about him and that's what we're about. And I'm excited to see the way that he grows us and directs us. And also for you guys listening, even through this show, I'm excited to see what God does in your hearts through this. Thank you guys for listening for so many years now. Gosh, how many years have we been doing this, Brian? That's 2019, I think. Wow. That's actually long ago at this point. Yeah, man. It's been a huge blessing. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. This has been so fun. I just, I'm, I'm so stoked that we're doing this show and I'm so stoked that we're doing it together again, man. It feels good. And here's looking to the next episodes we do and the way that they both point others to Jesus and then point both you and I to Jesus. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I think that this is a great episode to come back with in part, just because what we're saying here, we think is, is everything, but also as a tone setter of the same way that we want to look at all of life as here is how we want to think. We want to be people who are connected to Jesus primarily. That is also what we hope every episode here on Outgoing Forward serves the purpose of in your life. Hmm. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. We hope this episode has encouraged and challenged you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Our goal and heart for the show is to always be pointing you to the God who is not safe, but who is very, very good. If you enjoyed this show, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. The more reviews we get, the more people are able to find the show. So please leave a review. It helps so much. The Good Line Podcast is produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins. And we are a part of CGN Media. For more great content, visit cgnmedia.org. 
For more from Good Lion Ministries, you can also find tons of podcasts, resources, courses, and more at our ministries website, goodlion.org. If you'd like to support the work that we do, please visit goodlion.org support. With your help, we can continue pointing people to Jesus and providing thought-provoking resources for the church. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this episode helped you on your journey of following Jesus. And until next time, keep your eyes fixed on him.